Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode 47. It's already been dubbed the rabbit holes of madness because I have given the floor uh, to Brewer with no outline, uh, really no no plans. Just, hey, you want to record tonight? Yeah. And then we put a thing out on Instagram. It's like, hey, what should me and Brewer talk about tonight? Crickets. So uh, it's going to be just open mic night here in the bat cave okay so get ready for that after our first little break um a little breakdown with everything that we got going on um and kind of some plans um we're going to try to go to more events start reaching out to other companies kind of go outside the box um we want to get into kind of some support training not doing training classes just us individually because we just don't have the time between the three of us like the schedules just suck that bad to where um we're basically going to be or want to and that we've already talked about it too um with thomas and the boys at valkyrie with supplementing some training um with them and then talking to them about some uh some bomb squad and seaburn expertise we have with with bobby and kyle um, and then some stuff to look forward to to the next, eh, maybe three to five episodes, so like maybe like next month, month and a half. Um, as long as we stay, cause we kind of skipped, we kind of skipped last week and just sometimes that's just the way it happens. Just like the schedule. Um, we don't really, and we don't really, besides ourselves, we don't have anybody to really hold us like accountable. Like we're not sponsored yet. Um, there's no really like pressure. So if I don't have anything, I'm not going to, we're not going to put out trash, um, I'm not going to put out trash. Um, you know, I can barely get Kyle over here. You know, he's on the other side of town doing things, doing big things. And Bobby's been traveling like crazy. So, you know, we skip a week here or there. I don't know. Nobody's really bitched that much. Um, they just kind of bitched over the holidays when we went through that, like, holiday hiatus where we didn't do anything for about two months. But stuff to look forward to. Um, we're going to break down kind of gardening and food prep. Um, I've always kind of grown stuff. I've always had family that has grown stuff. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little bigger and better than others. Sometimes you plant too early and you catch that last freeze, uh, of the early spring. Sometimes you don't use, um, you don't plant the right stuff in the right soil or raised bed, stuff like that. Um, and then just general food prep in the house when it comes to just like saving up stuff, like having number 10 cans, which is like the standard canned goods, you know, the 50 cent green beans, shit like that, um, to just have on hand because it's kind of a big thing in the news with, you know, maybe some of it's fake news. Maybe there's a little bit of truth behind a little bit of all of it. Um, but there's going to be some type of like food shortages and, uh, you know, with supply line stressors and all this bullshit. So going to kind of talk about food and gardening and the chickens and stuff that our families have done. Um, Second, we'll probably get into some overlanding and vehicle prep um, because Bobby just got a new Ford Ranger and he's he Gucci'd it out pretty quick. Um, you know, I've had a couple Jeeps and I never did anything really crazy with mine, but like I've always got like a go bag in there and just extra stuff in an SUV vehicle that I would say most people don't like most people usually just don't have anything in their car or it's like all trash from eating trash all the time and feeling like they have to go to Walmart every day and buying bullshit and dollar general and 
whatever. Um, and then, I mean, we're already on episode 47. So 50, I don't know. I kind of want to try to do something special. I don't know if we can probably go, go live somewhere. Maybe that's the first episode we can get, you know, like live on YouTube or hooked up in YouTube and, um, or if we can just get, even if it's just, you know, normal podcast, uh, you know, normal setup, but then it's, you know, me, Kyle and Bobby, cause we haven't really sat down in a while, just the three OGs for episode 50. So that'll be exciting. So stand by for all the rabbit holes with Brewer. What's up, brother? Hell yeah. It didn't take too long that time. No, a lot smoother than the last time. Yeah, dude, we're figuring it out. The, the monkeys are evolving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how you been, dude? I've been doing outstanding. Phenomenal. You know, defending the public, you know, serving justice. Spreading hate and discontent. I understand. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I actually did put together a little bit of an outline, kind of slide in the intro that I already pre-recorded, but I saw that. We needed a little bit of guidance. Yeah. So that first topic. Yeah. So you can. I already broke it down. Uh, Thomas already broke it down. Uh, so we don't need it. Unless I mean, unless you want to go, just give your viewpoint on every stage or whatever, or you could just say like, Hey, I really like this. This is what I'm going to work on next time. This is what I'm going to recommend next time. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. So the comp went good, man. I mean, you and I, that first day, I mean, we were humping. Yeah. we, But we were together the whole time pretty much. Yeah. We're um, yeah. We got after it, dude. I think the teams got after it. I, I can't say anything bad about it. You know, we just kind of, kind of let it play out, how it played out. And I think it worked out well. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that little roundtable thing we did that night to prepare for the next day. I think that needs to be more of a added in uh, in the planning stage. That stuff yep. needs to be ironed out. Um, but I, dude, I can't. Everything that I that I got to to be a part of and that I was, you know, able to to kind of help out with, and you know, that day on the range with Matt. I mean, that dude, you know, he's he's an awesome guy. You know, and he he. You know, he knows a lot about what he's talking about, but, you know, I learned a lot just being able to, to evaluate those guys, and I can't say anything bad about the teams that were out there. I mean, they got after it. Yeah. You know, no, nobody – on the range that I was on and, and on that, you know, on the uh, – we call it the O course, but on that 5K that we made them do where they <laughs> – you know, where they had to – a mile and a half in, had to go three minutes with, you know, five BJJ black belts and then – finish it out and then do an O course at the end of it. You know, that was, those guys put out. I didn't see anybody quit. So yeah, everything I was a part of went smooth. I think next year planning will be better. Uh, just having the first one out of the way. And I think it can go, it's only going to grow from here. You know, I, I just, uh, just got off the phone with Thomas a little while ago. You know, he's, he's ordered us new implements. Uh, we've, this is kind of a secret. He probably doesn't want it to get out, but we've got some big, big training implements coming out. Um, you know, some some things that are, I think, going to put us a step a step above a lot of the other companies out there. We'll have a lot more abilities now. Yeah. No, that's big. And with making the comp better and making it, you know, run smoother, 
I think kind of one thing I looked at was getting money on the front end. Yes. I know that's kind of a, um, there's some people in this space that are uncomfortable talking about the money and the business side of it. But if you got an extra hundred bucks, 200 bucks per person, that's part of the plan. You know, it's easy for me to justify like taking off of work and going up there an extra day and, smoothing everything out and that means that can come and that money's going to come from sponsorships i mean absolutely y'all can hump all year you want you know maybe save money from doing extra classes and normal business practices but getting uh companies involved and getting them involved early and that's how you get the money is approaching them earlier um but then you also got to be like hey give me it you can't say hey give me a thousand dollars you got to put value to that thousand dollars. Hey, yep. you are paying for this and helping us do X, Y, and Z. If it's like, Hey, you're helping uh, with the planning phase with being able to pay personnel to be there earlier, you're helping um, having more RSOs, um, you know, throughout the whole event, having one per team and you know two per event and one per shooter on every stage or whatever. Um, yeah, we definitely needed more. Um, you know, we luckily had a lot of guys step up that, that weren't in those roles and, and worked those roles, which was great, phenomenal. You know, I can't say enough about the people who helped us. You know, you came up, you, you took over an entire station, you know, um, unexpectedly, which was great, you know. Yeah. But I think I, I agree with you. Um, the, the sponsorship side of it, we had talked a lot about uh you know we've met with with steve at sawmill who's also he's great uh his ideas are are awesome he's got a great this is a good thing about about his ideas he has a great networking and relationship with with the the general public you know just the civilian side of things who who you know are huge supporters of military and law enforcement and and he's got some really good ideas about fundraising and things of that nature and he's behind you know um you know, future training with us, uh, you know, partnering with us 100%, you know, mm-hmm. and actually extending it out. I think you and Thomas covered it, um, you know, maybe making it a five-day event, um, you know, and then, and then have it more of a seminar style, maybe a couple shooting competitions or something in there, but more of seminar style, hey, trade tactics, trade trade ideas kind of thing, learn some new stuff, you know, because, hey, there's, there's not a way to do things, right? It's just... It's, it, there's a way to do things. There's not the way to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, so I think we got we made some good partnerships. You know, for it to be the first one, I I, I can't say that it was a failure. It definitely wasn't. No. Um, yeah, we we definitely succeeded. And and uh, I know on my end of things, I I want to try to be a uh, more of a part of things. You know, I had some personal stuff going on this year. I had a lot of a lot of different things happening, job change and you know, some life changes and things. So it just took me, you know, I, I gave it every, I gave everything I had into it, but I wasn't a, as big a part as I wanted to be. So, you know, next year I, I plan to, you know, to be way more involved uh, in the planning stages of it, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah. I can't, I can't say anything bad or negative really. I, mean, I you know, I, I think everything ended on a positive note and, we worked all the kinks out as we were going, and it's just how it had to be. 
Yeah, I think just the uh, the mix of guys. We just we work together good. Because um, I mean, I've known of Steve for a long time, but I never worked with Steve. And then, uh, I mean, with y'all, with Valkyrie, I've only helped like like one day. And I'll come up for like practicals and stuff like that. So that was even my first time like just dealing with y'all in general over two days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, was there anything that you kind of thought of me and Thomas didn't talk about? I mean, we, I mean, we hashed it out pretty good. I was going to say, man, you guys covered everything. Um, yeah. But you guys, you guys covered everything. And that's, that's all I wanted. I just, I don't know. I just want to see it grow, man. I want to see it get bigger, grow, have more teams involved with it. You know, yeah. more more skill stations, more freaking, more learning, more training, more camaraderie, more networking. I think that was a huge thing that uh, that a lot of people didn't expect was how well everybody got along. You know, with the fellowship night, and uh, you know how how just everybody was just kind of when it was time to go to work, they went to work. But hey, man, you know, they're you know when they're standing around the fire and, and everything else, everybody was a brother. And I think that was that was more of what we were our goal was than than actually having you know a competition because it, it was obviously not one of those old school SWAT competitions that you used to see with the O course and you know the freaking line shooting and all that crazy stuff you know this was more practical uh, you know North American I can't say enough about those guys they did a phenomenal job with their hostage rescue set up in the med portion oh um, you know I mean that, from top to bottom man I think I, I think I can't say anything negative about it other than the planning, you know, and, and, and that's a failure on my part. I, I wasn't able to be a part of and it. I, the only excuse I have is, you know, personal reasons. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have let that get in the way. But, um, you know, I wasn't able to be a part of uh, as much as I wanted to. And, you know, it showed there that first day when we were it, it was a little rough rolling. But, hey, we got it figured out. So. Hey, we, we ran it out. We ran the demons out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We ran ran a couple times. And we did. <laughs> I was screwing them khaki shorts too. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I think um, more planning on the front end. I think will give us more time for the camaraderie and networking in between. For sure. Yeah, because we didn't get, we didn't spend a lot of time with the guys. No. Yeah, we were just setting up for the next day. No, nah, I mean, we weren't out there by the fire. I mean, I think we had a couple of years, but, I mean, we didn't. That was just while we were working. Uh, yeah, that was just hydration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Bud Diesel's just hydrating. <laughs> but, yeah, I think if we do more planning, then we can do more camaraderie. And then um, I know for I know for me, I want to plan more, like, I want to have, like, a tent out there and, be recording an episode while everybody's flying around and oh yeah um, i mean i'm definitely down to you know do a stage into the lane but most of the time i want to be talking to people more yeah Just i think with, with the companies and the teams and hey what think, do you think about today and how'd you prepare and that's that's the stuff i want to do more of. this is this is interesting and i i think it would have been uh an awesome networking opportunity. That North Atlanta Metro team, um, that entire team's almost, uh, they have their own training company. 
and they're all those guys on that team are part of it. And yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, you know, I was watching some of the videos that they had taken down there, and then you know some other stuff they had about their training, man. And those guys, those guys, are pretty high speed. So, you know, that may be an, 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 a networking opportunity for the future to have those guys involved with it because those those guys were were, were jam up, you know. Oh yeah, they were good. And the way that team works is so it's not North Metro PD. It's like a North Metro SWAT team that's made out of other PDs. Right. So it's a, it's a very interesting concept. So all those little departments in the North Atlanta still have their own jurisdictions and stuff. But when it comes to what you would need SWAT for, they all combine resources. I want to say it was it like four or five jurisdictions that just kind of combine forces to make a badass swap team. I mean, it shows, bro. I mean, look at their equipment. Look at their look at their tactics, their training. I mean, they they those dudes are those dudes are jam up. So yeah. Um. So you know that would have been a cool opportunity, you know, to just just be able to sit down with those guys and then be like, hey man, we kind of do this, you know, similar stuff. Trade ideas, maybe maybe put on a joint class or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's plenty, I mean, there's even plenty of business even within South Carolina, but then depending on how big you are, you know, with Atlanta, depending on where you are in South Carolina, I've always raised on it was four hours away from us. Mm-hmm. I think well, it's maybe a little closer. Um, but like, are you going to drive four hours uh, to a class? Like, probably not. I mean, unless you just have the investment or just have the free time and money to do it. Like that's almost like out of your sphere of influence. Yeah, but but, say, say we centralize the location and bring them together, you know? Yeah. Target the Oconee area or target, you know, down there where you guys are around Savannah and all. Mm-hmm. We like to travel and train anyway. That's, that's okay. kind of our setup right now. So. Yeah, that's always fun. Well, the next part, so we're always talking about I mean, the last couple of months we've been talking about all the SWAT stuff. Um, I think a lot of people that I went to the academy with and some of the stuff that I'm dealing with now, not dealing with, but just like part of career development, is finding your niche within law enforcement. Because not a lot of places in South Carolina even have full-time teams or even have that opportunity. So you're still, it's like a collateral position and, you know, different departments kind of divvied up, you know, differently with training and what the mission is within a regular shift. Um, but I know the shift that I'm on, we've always worked good together where if somebody gets, somebody gets a big case where there's like a lot of evidence, um, you got to do a lot of warrants. Um, there's a lot of, you know, drugs to process and some people are better at best kits than others that's kind of the drug evaluating kit that they have here in south carolina through sled um but that's something where our shift always kind of divvied up like we had like a warrant guy and he would just it makes a big difference when you write a warrant good and you go to a judge with that and they're just like oh yeah this is perfect boom because the more questions they ask usually the more fucked up it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> and with evidence, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to taint evidence or fuck that up because that can cost you a case or, you know, getting somebody prosecuted. Um, so I don't know. What, what's some stuff y'all seen in the upstate with, it's like, kind of, I don't know, do, the departments you've been with, they kind of dictate on the front end where they want you to dabble in a little bit of everything. Or it's like, hey, this guy's going to be great narcotics. Let's send him to, you know, all the drug schools possible. Possibly send him to DRE. And then there's some people that are just love doing traffic and love DUIs, which I don't. Um, well, I don't like DUIs. I like traffic in terms of like interdiction and looking for people and drugs and guns. But I don't like DUIs because I don't like the the like politics and money behind it. Right. So, so you all the same up there. So we kind of run ours the same way. We have, um, you know, it sounds like you guys have a pretty good team put together. You know, you got a warrant guy, you got an art guy, you got a freaking somebody who's good at DVs, somebody who's good at, at the interview side of domestic violence, you know. You got a guy that can knock out SFSTs and do a DUI in 45 minutes, you know, yep. that, that kind of stuff. You put that team together and now you have a, now you have a well-oiled machine, right? Everybody has their strength, everybody has their weakness. So... We operate the same way, and it takes a while, especially like with uh, both agencies I've been with. Um, you know, for me, it took probably two years to figure out what I was good at, right? Uh, and I think that's about average for everybody. Me, I figured out quickly, like you, I hate DUIs. I, I cannot stand them um, because I've I put that time and that effort into that case, and they get dropped to reckless driving as soon as you walk into the courtroom, and then, you know, What's, what's the point in doing all that work, right? Well, and so first rabbit hole. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> With DUIs, uh, d don't quote me on it. It's just because I'm getting into the um, kind of the, the – so we like training in the private sector. I'm getting into the training side of like – actual career side of law enforcement right so stuff through the academy doing it by the book type shit right right like stuff that lawyers in the courts like to see mm. uh, not some of the stuff we do privately like from the hip it's a little bit more open-minded um so in south carolina now to get uh certified in specific skills it's combined with being a dui instructor that's one way to do it. Right. You can still, so, because I'm signed up for specific skills in June, and it's not an SFSD class. Uh -huh. um, it is, I don't know what it is. But that is that is the easiest way to get your specific skills is to go through that because they need DUI instructors so bad. Yeah. Um, so I guess back in the day, they always kind of combined them, but then you could let, you could let the DUI instructor lapse. And then maintain SSI, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think all you need is thirty-four hours every two or three years or something. It's you have a way low number of hours to train to keep your specific skills up, which is ridiculous to me. But that's what, that's another rabbit hole. <laughs> um, well, they're always changing it too. But just I don't like how to keep specific skills you have to maintain a DUI instructor cert if you're not a DUI guy it's just because they need the numbers that's that's the way it was sold to us 
and a lot of places do sell it that way. It's the easiest way to get it. It's the easiest. SFST is a class that everybody, you know, the academy needs to to have. They need the numbers, and then, yeah. um, you know, they put in SSI with it because you you're learning SFSTs. They give you a topic about DUI or whatever, and at the end of the week. It's pretty much public speaking for cops, but they give you the topic you're going to speak about, right? right? And then now you're a freaking instructor, blah blah blah. I'm not a fan of. Uh, it's it's. I'm not doing that. I'm. I, I don't know what SSI I'm taking in June, but I'm taking it. Um, through, it's through the mobile. Have you seen that the mobile courses they do? Like they come to a certain area. Yeah, yeah they put that together. Um... I don't know exactly what to put it together, but it's kind of a new development, say, like over the last five years. Uh, because I'll be taking uh, some type of communications class in Lancaster, and then there's some type of like closed quarter or strike course like in Lexington that I'm trying to get it on to. And that's just like one day stuff. Um, yeah. We've got, a new, we've got a new guy running training here, and it's it's running like it should. Um, it's better always, always good to have fresh, fresh blood in the training division. Yeah, or at least somebody that's like committed to it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, our our training sergeant's committed for sure. I mean, he he wants yeah. to see it grow and stuff. He just for the longest time, uh, it's on the up now. now I t- I tell you though, for the longest time it was. Almost like walking in quicksand, um, you know. I guess with COVID and everything else, it slowed stuff down. And whatever, we're getting back into swinging things up. Yeah, we're definitely full speed ahead right now with stuff because um, I don't know. Some people are more honest about like the state of a department or care about their their people's goals and like dreams and shit. <clears throat> Because I know with all the, well, that's all, all about the, the career development, man. I mean, that yeah. should be the first thing that a first that your supervisor, a sergeant, or lieutenant, or corporal, whoever runs your ship, when you're new and you come to ship, he should fill you out for a few days, one rotation maybe, and then sit you down. What are your goals in this career? Mm-hmm. This is what I expect out of you. What do you expect out of me? Yeah. And then you go with that, and you help build that officer. That's how you retain people. And I know we're segueing into your next topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just, I just think there's a lot of places in South Carolina where you have officers that just kind of, like how, I don't know if everybody listening knows how people got promoted back in the day, but it's pretty much like. The shoulder times. tap. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like, hey, like he's been here the longest, it's his time. Yeah. Even though it's a piece of shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, fortunately, uh, you know, with, with working at a municipality like I do, like we have this uh civil civil service board. You have to go through that to get promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you the 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 appointments, the shoulder taps just don't happen as much. Um just because of that. Yeah. Uh which is cool. It's a it's you got like a written test and then an in basket phase and then a panel interview and then something else and then it goes to a neutral party and they tally the scores and who I mean it's literally they combine the scores from all of those things 
and whoever gets it gets it you know interesting oh yeah level the playing field a little bit though yeah yeah, they started doing boards here and doing tests and putting the points together. There's some people that got really buttoned about it. Um, but then in the sheriff's office, you know, like your top, you know, top three leadership in the county can still make executive decisions. They're like, ah, well, yeah, I see, oh, I yeah. See yeah. points, but I don't want to abide by the points, so I'm going to pick this person. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, sometimes they don't uh, get all the right information from the field. And then it kind of burns them on the back end with people that aren't as good as they thought they were. Yeah. They're yeah. not what they were. That gets, uh, that gets a little out of hand. Um, you know, unfortunately, that breeds a lot of negativity and toxicity amongst your the lower ranks. And then, then look at where you're at with morale. You know, and morale is constantly up and down, and it's never perfect. You're never going to satisfy everybody, right? Yeah. But, but I've heard that as an excuse used way too many times. Well, I can't make everybody happy. No, but you could try to – you could put forth effort. You know what I mean? That's your job. You're not here to be, the, you know, the face, and you're not here to just make your executive decisions and, and, and do these things. You're here to – like, if you really care about this and you care about the future of this career – because we we've, we've been under scrutiny for a long time now, then you're going to build it up better than what you left it, right? And I don't think enough people think that way. Like, hey, I'm going to leave this better than when I got here. That's a shame. That's Everybody's a shame. Like, oh, I've been here for you know, I've been here for 20 years, and it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, but what the fuck have you done? <laughs> You just held a spot for 20 years. Yeah, way to cork the bottle. That's all you've done, right? Yeah. You, you put a cap on everything, there's no growth. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't make better officers. You're, you know, you, you get to, I mean, the time frame is, is different from person to person, but, you know, they get to a certain, I cannot stand an old head that's like, oh, man, I got three more years, man. I'm just going to keep my head down for three more years. And he doesn't fucking do anything. He doesn't solve any problems. Um, he doesn't take care of his own shift. Um, I don't know. He's just not helpful to the department. He's not helpful to his people. Just, And I've seen that. I've seen that everywhere. I've seen yeah. it at security. I've yeah. seen it. In the low country, I've seen it in the Midlands. I've heard stories from upstate. I obviously haven't worked in upstate, but it's 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 just like a it's like a leadership flaw. It is. It is um, careerist you know, quote leadership flaw. Yep. Yeah, the the career guy, the you know the made it the master patrol officer, master deputy, whatever your rank system is, um, a rank progression. You know. They, they sit there. They don't bring anything to the table. They barely answer the radio calls. When they do, they're on the call for three or four hours at a time, and it's a simple call that you could clear up in 30 minutes, you know? Or they're only taking calls close to the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's, I think that's the worst thing. I, uh, you know, when I was with the other agency I went to for a little while, I, I for about two months, worked in the zone where my house was. I never went home. Ever, I, I could, I like, 
I knew that if I did, that I would become that that lazy person, right? Yeah. I never never went there unless there's a call for service around there. I would ride by, check, make sure you know everything was good. But I never never hung out at the house, yeah. and that's why I was. There was a big part of me that was glad where I got moved to that float spot, you know, in the central region to where I didn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near it ever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's not going to call. Yeah, I like being in the opposite region of wherever you live. Like if you live in the same county or town, I don't like working where you live. I mean, it's good to know what's going on, but. Yeah, it's so almost, I, I, yeah live it's, it, I live from. I live in a city now. Um, so like, I'll, I'll try to catch my meal break here, you know, just to save money. I'll come home and eat, but I'm right back out the door. I'm, I'm maybe here 15 minutes. You know, I don't hang out. I don't yeah. just sit here and wait on the radio to go off, you know, no. but you know, it's getting to be that time of year where we're just, we're wide open constantly. So you don't have time really to even eat. Oh yeah. Um, we're going back to what you were saying, man, those guys, you know, at one point in time, they 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 forgot their reason why they were doing this job, and yeah. when they lose that why is when they they fall into that. I call it a rut. They're just stuck, you know. But they're so set in their ways, they won't listen to anybody under them, and they're so buddy buddy with everybody over them. Nothing changes. They just let them sit there. Yeah, you know. This is my thing. If that's what you want to do with your career, do that. But you're going to be tied to that radio, okay? You're going to be the one answering calls. I and mean, I've got two or three-year guys that are out here wanting to just get after it and freaking find doping guns and arrest wanted people. And that's my guys I'm pulling to do that, yeah. you know? I'm fortunate enough to, to be the senior man on my shift. And, uh, you know, my department – well, I'll say that, that the shift that I work on, the supervision, you know, utilizes that. And they allow me to kind of mentor the young guys coming in and and, and kind of, you know, hey, let's go do this. Or if they want to do I, a lot of times they ask me to go do stuff with them. They're, they're the ones that are self-initiated. I just go with them, make sure everything's safe, everything's good, they're doing everything the right way. No, you know, no constitutional rights are being broken, you know, stuff like that. And, I know my rights. <laughs> yeah. And but the, you know I'm fortunate enough to have that. A lot of places don't, um, and a lot of shifts don't. You know, and that's you know I hate I hate it. I I wish there was a fix for it. I think mental health ties into that somehow, which is a you know it's taboo. It has been taboo for a long time. And in, in law enforcement, fire, EMS, military, you know, mental health was not what you talked about. But mental health for us is as important as freaking firearms training. You know, especially with the stress that, that these guys are under now and that generation coming in. I mean, I hate to say it, man, but you and I, we're, you know, we're a good 10, 12 years older than these kids coming in now. Um, and this is the most stressful thing they've ever had to do. They've never had to really work for anything, right? They were raised by the TV. They were raised by the tablet, the whatever, switch. I don't even know what is out there. I don't even own a gaming system. But, you know, that's what they grew up on. So now they get thrown out here under scrutiny, right? Most of the criminals that they deal with, in, in my area at least, are, are career criminals, you know, been arrested five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Most of them violent felons that they're dealing with, you know, are frequent flyers. And they don't know how to handle it. 
they don't get it. They don't know how to read people. So now more than ever, we need that. We need those those old heads to step up, and they're they're not doing it. And so, somewhere along the line, you know, when I say mental health, I'm not just talking about you know PTSD awareness and and things. Like, I'm I'm talking about burnout. Is you know I, I'm I know you work overtime. I mean, you know, when I was in the uh, my last apartment, the little municipality I worked with, I was doing sixty seventy two hour weeks. Yeah. Dude, I, I so and my, one and my court dates were I was on permanent nights, and my court, um, I want to say it was always like Mondays at like one, and we got off at seven. So, get home, try to eat something, let the dog out. The dog doesn't go crazy. Sleep for, I don't know, however fucking fast you can fall asleep on the couch, still in your uniform, and then wake up and then go back to court, and then you're prosecuting cases on an hour, two hours, if you're lucky, three hours of sleep after working all night. Yeah, that's like, ridiculous, and that catches up quick. That's fucking dumb. <laughs> That's it sucks the life out of you, man. Yeah, it never changed it. I was like, okay, if y'all are gonna be on permanence, why don't you have two different court days? You're still doing bond, you're still doing bond court every day. So what the what are we doing? Because you're not taking care of your people. Yeah, when when uh, when I was on permanent nights, man, they they took night court away. We called it night court. It was you know shift started at seven. We had a court time set up at six. So all we had to do was go in an hour early and, you know, you, you, you knock out your court, you knock out your cases, then you go 10-8, you go to work. Um, they took that away, and then court, court got crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Man, I was um, – I forgot what I said, it, but I think I had to either, like, stay late or come in early to get a warrant done to get it signed by one of the judges. And, uh, like – I'm sitting there waiting on the judge, and they tell you to be there like an hour or two hours before the actual judge gets there. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to come later because I need, you know, I still got to work tonight or whatever day it is. However, it lines up, right? And I was like, man, can we just, like, I can be a night judge. Like, can I just, like, recommend that and apply for it myself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, we do have judges. I mean, we have judges that um, some were lawyers, mm-hmm. some were officers, uh, some were neither. Yep. <laughs> like, you you can just be appointed and never practice law or be a cop. Yep. Um, you, can be a, you can be a judge. Um, I don't know if there's, like, some type of judge school or some bullshit. But... No, high school diploma to be a magistrate. Yeah, so... <laughs> I was like, why don't we have an option for the guys at night? Like, this is bullshit. Yeah, man, it, that, you know, there's a, there's a ton of things that affect mental health. And, you know, overtime's one of them. You know, just the general stress of the job. Not having healthy outlets is, is, is detrimental to a career. Um, you know, because you got the stress that you're dealing with at home. You got stress you're dealing with, at home, you know, on the street. 
the best thing that I did for myself was stop. I don't work overtime at my department unless it's like some kind of mandatory something. I went and I got a job at a gun store. I work. Uh, I'm off every Monday and Tuesday. I work every Monday and Tuesday at the gun store, and it's the least stressful job I've ever had in my life, and I love doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like I'm not even working. You know, I'm, I'm literally selling guns and. I get to play with guns and work on guns, and it's just, it's been great, you know. I'm not, I'm nowhere near as stressed as I was, so. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, any kind of outside outlet, you know, obviously the gym, I'm still doing the two-a-day thing, but I don't know, man. I, it's, there's so much that, that can be fixed and so much that can happen, and it just takes like-minded people to do it and yeah. have that, you know. You have to you have to sway the top. Unfortunately, the top yeah. right now in most agencies that I've seen has been there a while. Like I said, it's like that cork in the bottle, man. And if you know this is this is kind of a, a childish analogy, but if you shake a soda up with that cap screwed on tight, eventually something's got to go. You know? Yeah, it's gonna pop eventually. Right. So. So I mean, do you think um, different? I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that's on the road, but if you're an officer that has a different type of specialty, do you think some officers have it easier because they're good at certain things? Uh, yeah, I, I have seen that. It's 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 almost like favoritism. Like, hey, you know, he's not going to work wrecks, like because you know we work wrecks in in the city. Uh, yeah. he's not going to work Rex, but he's really good at narcotics. So any of your dope calls, you find dope, call him, he'll come get your narcs, he'll do your best bag, all that stuff. And to me, if you're okay with that trade-off, like, all right, I'll work all your Rex, you take my dope calls. How's that? That's fine. But when you've got supervisors that pick and choose and kind of cherry-pick calls for officers – that's when it becomes a problem. That's when, you know what I'm saying, hey, man, you work patrol, you got to answer the radio. Some days you're just a slave to it. It yeah. is what it is, man. That, that's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. You know, you get it in when you can. You know, you get out there and get after it when you can. Um, but some days you just got to answer those calls. So I don't – I think that if you're, you're good at something, absolutely, you should definitely – like we're going to use narcotics because that's a common one, right? You're – freaking jam up at narcs you should definitely work towards that right that's something that you want to do with your career but you got to carry your weight like everybody else does right because i know freaking i know some officers that want to be special victims investigators that are putting you know seven eight years in on the road just to get to that spot and they're handling their calls just like everybody else whether it's a narc call fight call wreck dui whatever you know they're out there getting after it just like everybody else i think you need to put your time in uh, I think that everybody wants that initial that 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 quick gratification, you know that that instant gratification. Now, that, like, oh, I've been here a year. I need. I want this. I've been here two years. I want this. I'm. Not, some people are gonna listen to this and say, "Oh, Brewer's talking that way." But look at him. After two years, he was a canine handler. I got extremely lucky with that. We just so happened to have a dog retiring, and I, you know. 
call it luck, call it what it what it was. I just interviewed better for the position. That's all that was, right? right. There was no favoritism there. There was nothing. I was by far not the greatest canine handler there was, right? There's guys that are a hundred times greater at it than I was, you know. But I just got lucky, <clears throat> and that's you know. The instant gratification thing's got to go, man. Because look, man, I, I'm back on patrol, like, and I freak, man, I, I love it. I love my spot. You know what I mean? But I'm always growing. I'm always learning something. Just, yes, you know, it's just a pride thing for me. Like, like if these guys would take pride in everything they do, they'll they'll earn what what they deserve. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the no, you're good. So the the group of officers is like a little younger than us, like just just a couple years. Like it might have been somebody that you went to school with, like you were a senior and they were like a freshman. So we're looking like four or five years. Even that short difference, those those younger officers have been like handed so much. It's kind of like the, um, you know, the classic, like everybody gets a trophy type thing. Yes. We talk about that every time. <laughs> that it's her career. I mean, it's it, that concept affects every, um, every career, every like socioeconomic class. Um, I mean, it affects everything. Um, because there, there's nothing that pisses me off more that I've seen. Um, I've seen it where I am now, and I saw it in the Marine Corps, where the people that were handed everything were just fucking brats. Yeah. They didn't know how good they had it. They were, oh, you know, I want to go to this school. I want to be in this type of position. And they're just, like, handed everything, and then they're never happy. And they're never happy because they never had to fucking work for anything. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, It's... It's instant gratification, man. And when that is present uh, in public service, because we don't do public service to make fucking money, okay? And we'll get into that with people leaving law enforcement because I've just had two pretty close um, friends leave law enforcement for like double the money. And these were people that were, you know, making, making decent money by South Carolina standards in law enforcement. Um, I don't know, just these, these ungrateful people in a career of public service. Like some of just the selfishness, you know, you see that like in business. Yep. You shouldn't see it in the Marine Corps. You shouldn't see it, you know, at Spartanburg PD or down in Charleston or working for any municipality or county. We're just these ungrateful motherfuckers who are serving the public They've been handed everything, and they're fucking over their other coworkers. Yeah, they don't know their reason why, man. Selfless service is is everything in law enforcement, fire, EMS, and military. Selfless service, right? That's why you're there. That is, you are there to serve. Uh, you know, my, I, I think the first, <clears throat> I think it's episode nine we did with you, um, me and Thomas. I talked about my grandfather, and and you know. He's a career Navy man, and then, then I did another full 25 years in law enforcement. Yeah. 
you know, when I got my badge, uh, you know, he, he was at our graduation and he, you know, he gave me my credentials and all that stuff. Um, when, when I got my badge, he told me, he said, he said, son, all you, that is, is a symbol of the public giving you their trust to do what's right by them. That's it. That doesn't mean that you're bulletproof. That doesn't mean you're God's gift to anything on this earth. That is a burden on your chest that says that the public now trusts you to uphold all of their rights to the utmost. And nobody understands that. Nobody gets that. Nobody will ever instill that because some, somewhere along the line that's going to take a hard conversation one of those tough conversations to have with your coworkers, with your brothers and sisters, and I'm doing air quotes right now. You just can't see me. Yeah. That's going to hurt feelings. And nowadays, we call it going to the third floor because that's where HR is at City Hall. Nowadays, when you hurt feelings, you go to the third floor. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. You, you can't people, have choir practice people, anymore, man. Yeah, some people do get the feelings hurt. Some people do. They do. It, and, and it's, you know, it doesn't need to be in a malicious manner. It can be in a very constructive manner. But even now, constructive criticism is seen as an attack yeah. instead of a, a growth opportunity. And if we could, you know, instill the maturity, because let's be honest here, especially now, this job is probably the most violent it's ever been. Um, so you at one point in time or another, are at least going to have to point a deadly weapon at somebody knowing that in any split second you're going to take that person's life, you know, in defense of yourself, protecting the public, whatever it may be. So if you're mature enough to be able to squeeze that trigger and make that decision in a split second, why are you not mature enough to handle constructive criticism from your peers that's only going to make you a better officer? I don't understand the mentality, I, I, which, you know, I don't know if it's because I was raised by an old school guy, you know, you know, I, my grandfather was, was my father figure, and, and my mom, she was just, she was hard, man, she, she raised, you know, she raised five boys by herself, so, I mean, she had it going on, you know, so, yeah. I don't know, dude, I've, I'd, I'll go to the third floor every day, it doesn't bother me. To get fussed at for saying, "Oh, you shouldn't have said it that way" or whatever, I don't care. I'll, I have the conversations, but I think it's ridiculous that that we have somebody in this line of work that you cannot critique in a constructive manner and mentor in a constructive manner without them feeling like they're being attacked. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that goes into our last little from the hip. Uh, bullet point here. So those officers that are a pain in the ass are the ones that fucking stay. I know, because they get everything they want. <laughs> All these ones that are leaving are the ones that would actually make the career better. Yeah. And like care about like personal development, career development. Um, you know, they're okay with constructive cr uh, criticism. Um, those are the ones that are leaving. <laughs> Like it doesn't, it's, it's counterintuitive. It is very counterintuitive. So I put a thing up the other day, and I don't know how many people saw it, but it was just a quote, and it said, train your people 
so they're good enough to leave, but treat them good enough to where they stay. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's where the problem is, because you got guys that are well-trained, jam-up cops, just, just shit hot, just phenomenal cops. And they know they can go where they want to and make the money they want to, even if it's out of law enforcement. You know, there's a ton of private entities that will hire a freaking cop that, that is competent and, and well-spoken and knows, knows the ins and outs of, of life pretty much, you know, has that street knowledge. And pay them double what we make right now. Yeah. But if you allowed that individual with that kind of drive and that kind of mentality to take a more, I don't know, leadership role or have them mentor or, you know, give them a position that they want maybe, right, that they deserve, not that they wanted, but that they deserved and they worked for, that kind of individual would earn that. They would stay. But when you have those, like you say, the pain in the ass officers sticking around, eventually they're going to get what they want because they're the only ones to choose from, right? Yep. But, but here's, the, here's the big issue with an officer like you're talking about that leaves that is that good. They also don't take shit off of people, right? And that's where the – I'm going to tie this into the boss versus leader – Bosses don't like that shit. They don't like somebody who's not going to argue a point, who's not going to bring their opinion to the table, who's not going to bring a different way of doing, you know, what they want with the same outcome. They want it done their way, that way, because they said so, right? But then a good leader is going to see that in that officer and say, hey, I like what you're doing. Let's see if we can... You know, if, if we can't do it exactly that way, let's see if we can meet in the middle and, 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 and find a good way to, to make this work, right? I think just, just that kind of, I, I want to say appreciation, um, maybe um, to the point of recognition, but I don't think an officer that, of that, that caliber would want the recognition, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe validation is a, is a good word. That kind of validation would make that officer stick around. But instead, those good officers are the ones that get overworked. They're the ones that they know what, that, that there's going to be that person there that they can rely on. And at that point, they just, they just get – they're the workhorse, right? Yeah. Because the other ones are going to fuck it up. I mean, let's just be honest here. Well, I know, I know he's going to fuck up evidence. Or I know he's going to fuck up taking this warrant to jail. Or I know he's going to fuck up signing a detainer on this guy, so we'll send him to do this while he's four reports down and also has to log in three cases worth of evidence and, you know, hasn't even got a meal break yet. Yeah. You know, and I think that that, that drains a person, man. That That's... Yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely a side of it to where, um, I've, like, recently I've been kind of comparing it to um, being the silent professional. Yes, which has always been reserved for the more higher speed aspects of like federal law enforcement and military service. But I'm okay not being on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm okay not being, um, you know, deputy of the court. I'm okay with. Um, I mean, it pretty much all revolves around being uh, publicized. Right. That's fine. Because everybody in the department 
knows who's good and bad at shit. Oh, yeah. Like, they know. Even those shitbag officers know who's good at stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think they need to find a way to accommodate the silent professional. Yeah, it's not a recognition kind of thing. Uh, you know, that stuff's cool. Um, it, it, it shows, you know, some form of caring from the top, but the validation that I'm talking about is is having that, that level of respect with the entire department and them saying, yeah, what do you think about this? You know, behind closed doors, what do you think about this? How do you think this should go? Yeah. yeah. Let's put you on a training committee. Let's put you on this ops planning for, you know, some street crime stuff. Let's, yeah. you know, that kind of, that's a validation that, one, an officer that you, you know, of that caliber that you're speaking of is going to, one, put everything into, and two, feel, you know, useful. I mean, pretty much. Let's let's be honest here. They're going to feel like that they're bringing, what they have is being used, right? That what they brought to the table is actually going to be used. And that's all part of that team mentality, man. And that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, the teams have fallen apart. And, I, you know, instead of uh, shifts, like like most most places call it shifts, uh, you know, my agency, we work, I work B platoon, but I'm on team two. They call it teams. And we, you know, I can speak for my team. I'm not in, you know, I haven't worked with the other teams in a long, in probably two years, you know, since I was a canine handler and we, we did the swing shift thing. But, um, you know, with my team, I'm on permanent second, and uh, man, we we're, we mesh well together. You know what I mean? We can have other supervisors work with us, and and there may be some hiccups because certain supervisors, you know, they want things certain ways, and and that's all fine and well. And if if you've been in the if you've been on the job long enough, you understand that, and you just you just go with it. You know, that's just a thing. But for overall, we can have another supervisor come in, work with us. You know, if our supervisor's off and then everything runs smooth, man, we don't have huge hiccups. You know what I mean? So, I think that's another thing that I talk about a lot too is, um, like, why are you going to break up a good team? Yes. Even even through promotions, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I still think you really need to look at it. But I don't see a problem with like within the same shift seeing vertical promotions within the same shift. No, absolutely um, not. Why would you? Why would you change that? But you see it all the time. It's like, hey, if you pick up corporal, you're going to the other team. Another team. You're not staying in the same. You're not going vertically. You're going horizontally somewhere else. Right. Um, sometimes that is necessary. Sometimes a shakeup is necessary. For, I mean, name the reason, right? Organization um, purposes, I understand. Yeah, I mean, there's, but I don't think it needs to be like the 100% rule. I think sometimes vertical promotions are okay. I know for, for me personally, uh, and some people that listen to this, you know, work in my department, and I think it's kind of public knowledge that we want to keep the, keep the team together um, to where if something happens, like my corporal's the sergeant, and then I move up to corporal. Like, that's what we want. 
Yeah. And I always kind of compare it to. Um, did you ever watch the uh, the Netflix uh, special on the Bulls? Yeah. Okay, that's what I always compare it to. Um, <laughs> there was like different parts of the organization that like didn't care about keep keeping the team together. Um, you know, Jordan was kind of an asshole. Um, you know, Scottie Pippen just worked his ass off all the time and like never really got the recognition he needed. Um, there was just so many dynamics to it, but but somehow the priority was always to keep them together. They knew they had a winning team, man. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think a lot of that goes to Phil Jackson, like recognizing all those individuals and somehow making it work. Somehow making it work, keeping it together, fighting the businessmen at the front office, fighting all these personalities on the teams. But it was like, when all these guys stay together, we win championships. So why break it up? There's no reason behind it. And that, that's a leadership thing. Okay, so from the top down, if I have my command staff who is, you know, buddy-buddy with, you know, the sergeant and lieutenants and stuff, what's the difference? What's the difference? If I've got a major that's best friends with a sergeant, there's no difference there. This is the issue. You have the promotions that don't go how they're supposed to, right, through the board or however. Mm-hmm. They are already, you know, best friends with whoever. You know, they get put over them, and then that person gets a preferential treatment. Well, if it went right, that individual would have shown signs of favoritism in the process. And he wouldn't have got promoted or she wouldn't have got promoted, right? But that doesn't happen. Even even in my agency, which with a neutral party deciding, right? Still doesn't happen the right way. So, you know, I think that that's more on leadership shoulders. You get promoted to sergeant, you have to understand at work, there's boundaries. Like you are sergeant, you are corporal, you are lieutenant. There are boundaries. When you understand that, it's business as usual, right? It doesn't mean you can't put time into developing somebody's career, but they also have to be held to the same standard as you hold the rest of your people. Whatever you do on your off time is what you do on your off time. My advice to anybody listening to this is to stay off of social media. If you're going to be out and you're a sergeant and you're with your entire crew, do not post that crap all over social media. What's the point? What is the point in that? You just want to show everybody that, oh, I'm out here, you know, budding it up and slamming beers with, you know, my whole crew. No, that's personal business, man. Social media, sorry, hate to say it, but you're treated differently. You're a cop. Everybody looks at you different. It's just like a teacher on social media. They they still hide alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to do the same thing doesn't mean you can't. I don't care what you do in your off time, but don't, don't freaking post it all over everything. So, so with, that, 
so with that type of environment from like leading, um, from training people in certain, you know, niches within law enforcement, what are you seeing when people leaving? I see a lot of people that are agency hopping, which I'm, I did the same thing for a couple of different reasons. And I'm back home now. That's the way I say it. Yeah. Where I started. Yeah. Um, most most of the people I see leaving are just unhappy. They're just unhappy with either their agency or their job in general. They, you know, I know guys have gotten out of it and said, "Look, man, this is it for me," and I res- actually respect that. If if you can come to me and say, "Hey, law enforcement just ain't my thing. I'm going on to something else." Cool. I respect you for it. Uh, if you agency hop because you know there's a certain agency that says, nah, "I will pay you." You know, we'll pay you more money and, you know, you won't have to deal with the same bull crap. I promise you. I promise you. And you can say the same thing. It's all the same. The bullshit is exactly the same everywhere you go in this in this career. Where you work at and how what you get out of it is what you make out of it. So if you go every day, it took me a while to figure this out. But if you go every day to your agency that you have to work, and you're negative, and you're just, this sucks, that sucks, this person sucks, I hate working for this person, I can't stand working with this person, you know, blah, 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 blah. What are you going to have? Nothing but negative coming back to you. But if you go, you know, you look at it like I get to go to work today. I get to go do what I said my calling was. I get to go do what I say I love that I do, and I get to go work with, air quotes again, my brothers and sisters, and make sure they get to go home at the end of the evening or end of the night or whatever shift you work. Positivity is going to breed more positivity. I just, I still equate it all to leadership. Like I said, you're not going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be somebody that's getting that job offer that's double the amount of what they're making now. You're always going to have that person that's just like, you know what, this sucks. I'm tired of getting spit on. I'm tired of getting cussed at. I'm tired of fighting people every day. I'm tired of it. You know, go. Go be, do whatever you want to do. But if you're going to stick with this career, man, you better better make it worth it. Because especially these kids coming in now, man, they got that crazy retirement rule now. Bro. Nah, man. Is it a new one? I don't know something about twenty-eight years, but then they got age limits, and I, I don't—I don't even understand. I got grandfather in twenty-five year system, so I don't know. I don't pay attention to it. I just know they got a long career ahead of them, and they better make something out of it, or they're going to have a long twenty-eight to thirty-two years, however long they got to do. Yeah. So with mine, I think of um, three individuals specifically. So one uh, was for the smaller municipality I used to work for and I just think he got tired of it he was tired of the leadership he was tired of all the overtime um, and I think he got into driving trucks so the most recent thing with um, driving trucks I don't know if it's the same countrywide but you can make really good money driving 18 doors yeah uh, Walmart just came out where they need drivers so bad that uh, their starting window 
Uh, now this is like with this is with some prior experience, I believe. But like Walmart's new pay window is eighty five thousand to one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Plus all the awesome benefits that come with being a full time employee at Walmart. Because I mean, Walmart's one of the powerhouses of the world. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't get the publicity, but I mean, they still go toe to toe with Amazon on a lot of stuff. Um, so that was one. Um, but then the other two that I want to say have left this year. They were happy. They didn't leave because it sucked. One was another municipality on the other side of the river, and one was with a state agency. Um, and both of them left jobs where starting making twenty grand more on top of, I want to say they were probably mid forties, maybe high forties, with where they were. Um, <laughs> but one of them is going to a company to just do like, um, like analyzing like traffic patterns and stuff, and doing contract work through. You know any transportation, any state transportation agency. Yeah. So he's making at least twenty grand more. Regular eight to five, a little bit of travel, company car, company credit card. Uh, I want to say there's some type of bonus system in there. The other one is selling emergency lights that you know, that you see on all the. All the squad cars, all the ambulances, all the uh, you know QRV vehicles, all the fire trucks, and uh, he's going to get into the six digits this year off of bonuses. So a six digits. I mean, he's going to make over hundred grand selling fucking lights. Hey, more power to him, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's. I think it's awesome if they found something yep. that, that, that they bettered themselves at, you know, and they, you know, may have been happy in law enforcement, but who's to say that that six-figure, you know, he may not be happy with that. He may come back, you know. Man, I don't know. I, I think yeah. it's hard for law enforcement to compete with that if, if – Yeah, you can't. Yeah, but – You can't. You just bankrupt the world. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely, and and so this is this is my thing, and and to to wrap up, you know, all the topics that we talked about, it's just invest in where you're at. You're there. You're gonna be there. Invest in it. Make it better than how you found it. If you see a problem with something, fix it. Just don't sit there and bitch about it. Find a way to fix it. Come up with solutions. Present them. They can only say no so many times. Right? Yeah. That's, be driven. Be worth it. Be worth the opportunities that you want. They'll come eventually. They always do. You just have, you have to be consistent with it. You have to consistently be consistent. That sounds weird, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think with 
with it being public service and local, it's almost like it's like people just don't give a fuck about their like their community and their neighbors and just being the best you can be for just your immediate area around you. Because, I mean, how many calls do we go on where it's it's not even a, um, a criminal issue, it's just a neighbor dispute? Like a next-door neighbor in a neighborhood where you can, you know, throw a foot you, know, you can throw an object at the house next to you. That's how close you are. And they don't know who they are. They're next door neighbor. Yep. What the fuck? Man, I had an issue not to get into war storage because this is definitely not a war storage. <laughs> I had an issue in an apartment complex two weeks ago. And well, I think we had three back-to-back calls for disturbances, you know, Every time, the first one was the kids between these two mothers. Daughters on one side, daughters on the other mother's side. They live across, like, the parking lot from each other, so their buildings are adjacent. And the kids were out there arguing and wanting to fight. So we get out there, break that up, everything, everybody goes away. Well, the parents, they come outside, and, you know, obviously, being parents, they, they were concerned about what the fight was over. The second time we go out there, now the parents are arguing. So <laughs> yeah. Send them on their way. The third time, now the parents are yelling back and forth across balconies, cussing each other, right? God. So I pulled up, and by this time we were slammed. So I was out there by myself, and I was like, you know what, screw this. In front of the whole complex, because, you know, these urban areas, everybody comes out to see what all the yelling's about. I called both moms to the front of my patrol car in the middle of the parking lot. And I literally, we literally had a TED Talk. We had a 30-minute TED Talk about how to fix this situation. And by the end of it, their kids hugged it out, they hugged it out, and they were all playing in the police car, turning the blue lights on and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes, in this role, that's that's just the avenue you're going to have to take with it. Because people socially... One, don't trust each other. Look at the crazy shit going on in the world. You know yeah. what I mean? Look at what happened on the subway this morning. Right? Why would we trust each other? Right? So, all you have to do is be a buffer, a mediator. Bring them down. Do what I did. So, y'all get, your, get it out right now while I'm here. Tell them your problem. Tell them your problem. Boom, boom. Both sides go. And then what happens? There's communication. After the communication, then they're not yelling at each other. It's just communication back and forth. Now they understand. Actually, one of the issues was one of the one of the mother on the left side of the complex's daughters with special needs. The other mother didn't know that, and she had gotten on to her, and it hurt the other daughter's feelings. And she ran to her mom and was like, "Hey, this happened." Well, the older sister of the girl heard it, and now the whole families are fighting, right? Oh, but this one mother had no idea that the other mother's kid was a special needs. Once she figured that out, it was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I had no idea. Now they're neighbors, and now we haven't had a call back out there in two weeks that I know of. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's on us sometimes to, to be that buffer and that mediator, man. Sometimes we have to do educational stuff. 
You know, it's not just slamming heads and, and throwing people in jail. As much as I enjoy, you know, a good fight or a good foot chase or car chase or whatever, hey, sometimes you got to be out there and be a social worker, man. Yeah. It, it happens. Well, and when you don't do that or if nobody does that, I've seen situations like that that just they just escalate indefinitely and then somebody gets shot. Yeah. Started with two kids arguing about, I don't know. Basketball. Cows. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen that situation evolve into assaults and shootings, and you know, because I basically just worked in like mini Spartanburg, my last municipality. So you definitely did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, and I tell people that all the time is. Um, it's like you don't want this to escalate into something for real. I mean, that's my my pitch with a lot of the similar situations that you dealt with, and then definitely with a lot of domestics. Oh yeah, like you got to hammer that home because it's like, do you want to die? I mean, you I mean, you put it more eloquently than that, but it's just like, hey, I don't know if you can see what's happening here, but yeah. hey, do you want to fucking die, bitch? <laughs> like, because that's what they're gonna say to you before they do it. Like, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Hey, man. Speaking of the uh, the Brooklyn shooting this morning, I haven't read updates because I, I got off work and went straight to the gym. But have you have you seen anything? I, I haven't read up on it. I saw the obviously I saw the pictures first on Instagram, and um, the the pages that I follow were just really pointing out. Uh, well, some were like pointing out readiness and why you need to carry tourniquets and why you make body armor for civilians and all that. But then there was also like the level of like insane detachment where people like weren't grasping what was like, like people were in shock. Yeah. People were in shock. They weren't mentally prepared for they're They're not prepared to meet any type of like violence or confrontation like at all. And then there was people that were laying on the ground, bleeding out, and people were like, you know, getting low to get a good selfie with the dude bleeding out. Yep. Like, I saw some shit like that, and I was just like, so I, I, I saw a lot of the stuff where it was just like, wow, there's some shitty human beings there. Yeah, what the fuck happened to being a good human? It, that where, where did that go out the window? Yeah. I don't know because too many of these people like most of their world revolves around like stuff that's not real life. Very true. They're in a computer, they're in a phone, they're in a you know a Wii, a PlayStation, whatever the fuck. And it's just they have no concept of reality. I just think it's all a joke or a game. They're the ones laying there shot, bleeding out. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know the answer to that one. I mean, I know. And can you imagine, like, because, I mean, obviously we don't have subways here or something similar. Um, but I'm, I've been on subways. I've been on, like, the metro, like, in like in D.C., and then I think I did take a train. I went to New York one time, never going back. No, um, no, no. 
But yeah, so let's see, Gunman Fires, 33 times, Brooklyn Subway, uh, hitting 10 riders. I'm just reading through headlines real quick here. Um, but I mean, I did see a video that people like, they're like getting off of the train and just the inside of the train, it's just smoke and there's just people coming out and out and I just can't. Oof. Well, I can tell you if that happened here, which we don't have subways, but as many guns as I sell to concealed carry guys now, like somebody's getting, somebody's shooting back. Now they may not hit them, but. They're definitely going to be rounds fired back at that guy. Yes. Because uh, I didn't realize just how many people have their CWPs. Because, you know, when you when you have that, you don't have to do the whole NICS check. Right. Um, you know, you just write it down on the paper and it, whatever you sell the gun, man. And that is, bro, there's a lot of people who are armed around that you wouldn't think would be armed. Oh, yeah. Which I'm good with as long as they're trained. Yeah, that's always um, one thing that people push back on with the guns because it's like, a, um, and I know I'm guilty of this, where I've kind of compared it to um, like getting a driver's license. Yeah. But that's a driving is a privilege, not a right. Mm-hmm. In America, having a gun is a right. Yep. Not a privilege. Um, so, I think everybody should have at least one. I, I just think if you're going to have it, be responsible and know how to use it. Yeah. Safely. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that can be our next couple of episodes. Being a good human and terrorist act. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know how to stop the bleed and not take selfies with somebody bleeding out in the subway. I, I just, that, that blows my mind, man. Yeah, that, that's what I was seeing a lot of. I saw that one picture, a bunch. I'll, I'll share it on Instagram somewhere. But, uh, yeah, there's the one dude's, like, getting low, and he's got the phone down there. He's like, oh, i got to make sure I get all the blood in the picture and shit. And it's like, I think it's like this, this big Asian kid, like, bleeding out from the leg. I mean, it's like, and it's a lot of dark blood, too. So you're like, oh. Yeah. Tourniquet. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit. So you can see somebody, like, trying to, like, wrap a jacket around his leg or something. At least somebody was helping him. Yeah, honestly, oh, my gosh. I'm interested to see how this plays out and see what the motive was behind it. I'm, I'm sure they'll catch him. I mean, that's... that's it's that's, interesting. This happens today, just a couple of days after the uh, current presidential oh, yeah. administration says, you know, that they're going to start coming out with more rules and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're very, very, you're on to something there, conspiracy or not. Man, sometimes it's just, it's just so coincidental, it's just like, really? <laughs> like, just weird timing, man. Weird, weird. I was actually thinking about that the other day about having a uh, conspiracy theory episode. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, like a four-part, four-hour a piece. Yeah, you could do yeah. a whole month of that. Yep. 
could be fun. Oh, yeah, I'd have a great time. Could be fun. I don't even know if we have enough time to do that, though. <laughs> like, we'd have to break it up. Like, we could probably do one event like, per episode. Like, we'd have to talk about JFK, like, all that shit. <laughs> it all ties together. Yeah. JFK, subway shooting. In closing, brother, because you, do you have anything else? That, I, I don't have that picture pulled up. That's that's all. That's my card. Well, in closing, I would like to leave with these words. <laughs> don't, don't be a shitty person. Don't be a shitty person. Be a fucking good human being, please. Please. Stop being a jackass at your police department and take fucking initiative and pride in what you do. Be worth the opportunity that you want. That's all I have to say. I like it. We'll end on that. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. All right. We'll catch you later, man. See ya.